Please be seated. If you would please take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 2. If you do not have a Bible of your own, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, take that and keep that as our gift to you. Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be spending our time. It is so wonderful to gather together with a group like you today. It's special and unique. God understands that man needs community. Man needs to not be alone. There are deep, deep reasons for this, and there are even some smaller, shallow reasons for this. There are some times when we just want to share an experience with someone else. It just doesn't feel right for us to be going through this on our own. I had this experience not too long ago. In fact, it was about four weeks ago, and I was sitting and I was watching a basketball game. I grew up about 25 minutes, 30 minutes from the University of Illinois, and so I grew up an Illinois fan. Um, We've not had much to be excited about for quite a long time, but I was watching an Illinois basketball game about a month ago, and as I was sitting there, I was hopeful. I was excited for the game, and I was by myself watching it. And so I thought to myself, well, this doesn't quite feel right to be by myself going through this. So who can share the experience maybe in a little bit with me? So I grabbed my cell phone. By the way, if your phone's not on vibrate, go ahead and put it on vibrate right now. Mine's on do not disturb. I grabbed my cell phone and I sent a text message to my brother Rich. I'm the youngest of four boys. Richie's the oldest. We grew up rooting for college basketball, the Fighting Illini, together. And as I was watching this game, I sent him this text message. Are you watching Illinois versus Ohio State on ESPN? And I was not surprised by the answer. He said, yes, I am. And then just a moment later, he said this, could be the year, just like that. (laughs) Illinois was doing very well all year long, and he, like I, was hopeful that it wasn't going to end anytime soon. They received a fantastic position in the national tournament that is just now finishing up tomorrow. It could have been the year that they won it all. I know some of you have had your hopes dashed as you've seen some of the games in the past few weeks, but there was something special about another person who just on a small level could share that experience with me. Most of you understand the difference between having a hope for something while you're by yourself, but also having a hope for something when you share that with someone else who has that same hope. What we're going to see in God's Word today is that if you are one who has had your greatest hope become a reality, salvation, then you are qualified to share that experience with another. All that to take us to Acts chapter 2. Now, I want to invite you to get out your mental red pen today because I want you to be a critic of the sermon. I don't want you to be a critic of my sermon today. Don't get me wrong. But we're going to be reading a sermon that was given by Peter on the day of Pentecost. To be fair... 
first sermon he ever preached. Is that really fair for us to be too critical today? Not really. But I wonder, at the end, what kind of a grade you will give the Apostle Paul. I see three very clear points in his sermon. The first one is this, Jesus' magnificent life. He starts to talk to this crowd, crowd of thousands on the day of Pentecost, and he begins by talking about the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not their Lord and Savior at that time, but they did know who Jesus was. Very clearly, we see in the New Testament that these Jews in Jerusalem knew who Jesus was. Now, Peter, if you remember his background, he was a fisherman. It was kind of a a monotonous life. He knew what was going to happen the next day. He knew what was going to happen the next week. Not a lot of surprises. But Peter grew up as a Jew. And so he had, growing up, this hope that he would see a Redeemer, that there would be a Messiah that would come in his lifetime. And there was a day in Peter's life when his hopes went from being, eh, to raised to quite a significant level. Because one day while Peter and Andrew were washing their nets after working, who would walk up to them in their boat but Jesus Christ himself? Christ walked into Peter's life, and Peter would never be the same. Clearly, the call was something special because they left their job of being fishermen because Jesus said, you're no longer going to be fishers of fish. You're going to be fishers of men. Follow me. And for three years in Jesus' ministry, Peter saw the most amazing things. And can you imagine with me... Peter's hope going from this level and then to this level. And then as Peter observes the feeding of the thousands, where do you think his hope level went that Jesus was the Messiah? It went to this level. How about about when Jesus brought Lazarus back from the dead? Where do you think Peter's hope level was at now? He wanted this to be the Messiah He observed him. There was something different. He taught with authority. He would stand up against the religious leaders that were crooks. All of those promises that he had learned growing up were becoming a reality. His hopes were rising. Look at verse 22 of Acts chapter 2. Men of Israel, Peter says, as he preaches to these believers or to these non believers, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. You see, it wasn't just Peter who was looking for a Messiah, but all the Jews We're looking for this promised Messiah. And I believe that they all wanted Jesus to be the one. The crowds followed after him like nothing they had ever seen. People who had sickness, 
People who had handicaps would do everything they could to get with Jesus so they could be healed. Not only did Peter and Andrew and the other apostles want Jesus to be the Messiah, but everybody was rooting for Jesus. Hardly anybody was rooting for those crooks back in Jerusalem, those religious false leaders. Jesus did more than 30 miracles in His earthly ministry. He defied natural law. He did the supernatural. The crowds witnessed this. There was one, one religious leader who went to Jesus. He did it by night. John chapter 3, Nicodemus goes to Jesus, and here's what that religious leader says about this man, Jesus Christ. No man can do these works you do unless God is with him. How about the enemy? Did the enemy think that Jesus Christ was anything special? They did. They were scared to death of Jesus Christ and the power that he displayed. After Lazarus was raised from the dead, it's recorded in John eleven forty seven. So the chief priest and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. Miracle worker. Teacher. One that was going to take on the corrupt leadership. He had an incredible following. Following. And can you see the hope levels of Peter and of other Jews going up and going up? That's how Peter starts his sermon. Jesus Christ, who was clearly attested to you that he was something special from God. And as they listen, they have their red pen out too because it's a problem. Hold it. Hold it, Peter. We hear what you're saying. We can't deny that. But there's a problem because this guy you're talking about, well, he died. Some of us saw him die. The elephant in the room that maybe they thought Peter would try to avoid was that Jesus Christ died, but Peter does not avoid it. That's his next point. Jesus' meaningful death. And I think like the audience, so many of them thought that Christ would be the Messiah. Their hopes were on the rise. And then their hopes were crushed. When we look at God's Word, look at verse 23 with me in Acts chapter 2. This Jesus delivered up to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. I don't believe that they knew the death of Jesus was coming before he died. And some of you students out there, you'll say, hold on a second. I, I've read this before. I read it where Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to have to die. And then come back from the dead. But I don't think any of them understood that. At least three times Jesus said this. The second time they were on the way to Capernaum. The third time was, I believe, after the Lord's Supper. And 
maybe some of you remember when it came up, because Jesus heard them arguing about something, His apostles, and He, he chimed in twice. What are you guys arguing about over there? What are you arguing about? They were arguing about who was going to be the greatest in Jesus' kingdom right after He told them that He was going to die. They were not vying to be top dog themselves. That's not what's going on. Instead, they were saying, we want to be top general to Jesus Christ who will be in charge. They never saw it coming. Even Peter's last action said that he was not going to accept the death of Jesus Christ. Do you remember the last physical action that Jesus did when Peter and Jesus were together before His crucifixion? It involved a a dagger. It involved when Jesus was being arrested and Peter took that and he cut off the ear of Malchus. And Jesus said, put away your sword. Peter would not let Jesus die In fact, many of you are familiar with the words that he said, even if all deny you, Lord, I will not. He wasn't expecting Christ to die, and yet point number two in Peter's sermon, Jesus died. The Jewish crowd, the crowd that just a few days before the crucifixion would shout, Hosanna, they didn't think Jesus was going to die. Why are you having a parade if you think this guy's going to die in a few days. You don't. Nobody thought he would die, but Jesus did die. And that's what he says. But did you hear, did you hear how, how sneaky Peter was? What he snuck in there? Jesus died according to the plan of God. What they did not know was that the Father's wrath that had to be poured out on sin would be poured out on the person of Jesus Christ on the cross. It was all part of God's plan. But for Peter, who was a follower of Jesus, and for so many Jews, when they saw Jesus die, their hopes were crushed on that day. Peter's going to go to his third and final point, and before I share that with you, I need to let you know a challenge that Peter has in his preaching. He has an advantage that they don't have and that they never would have. Point number three in his sermon, first of all, one verse on his life, one verse on his death, and then nine verses on his resurrection. Peter's final point in his sermon is Jesus' magnificent resurrection. Here is the challenge that Peter had before I read these verses. Peter, while he had his hopes crushed, they were revived in an incredible way because with his own eyes, he saw Jesus Christ risen from the dead. He had this incredible advantage. And don't you think he wished that while he's preaching to these thousands of people and has this captive audience, that he could just say, and everybody, watch this. Ta-da! Here's Jesus. 
but he couldn't do that. Peter had faith because Peter saw with his own eyes. Now Christ has ascended. He is gone. What could be so powerful as to convince men that someone came back from the dead? What could take their hopes that were crushed and bring them back to life? The same thing that gives us power and authority when we meet together today. Peter pointed those individuals to the Scriptures, to the very Word of God. Look with me, starting in verse 24. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of goodness with your presence. And then Peter changes tone. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. What's better than an eyewitness account? The living Word of God. Peter preaches from Psalm 16. He goes back to the prophet David. And he says, David very clearly received this promise. And you all believe this as good Jewish students. You believe that there was a promised Messiah. And right there in the text, look at it in verse 27. You will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. Is that speaking of David? No. David died. David's body decayed. They could go over and visit his tomb. He's speaking about the descendant of David that was promised, the Christ. Peter appeals to them based on the Scriptures. A descendant of David would not find himself corrupting after death, because he would rise from the dead. There would be one that would come from David, so said Psalm 16, that would find an escape from death. Peter preaches, and all of these 
that knew Jesus, that he was more than a man. They had had their hopes crushed. Peter had seen the empty tomb. Peter wonderfully knew about the testimony of the angels that said, He is not here. He is risen. Now, what are these people going to do with this sermon? Jesus was special. Jesus died according to God's plan. Jesus was the Christ who rose from the dead. What can they do with this? And how could they argue with the zeal of these 120 people that love Jesus Christ? How can you argue with what's going on there? Hope became reality. Most of us are familiar with the name Harry Houdini. Houdini was an escape artist. He was one that they said was um, as flexible as an eel, and he had as many lives as a cat. That was Harry Houdini. If you're not familiar with him, some of the things that he did to escape from were just amazing. He, at one point, had himself put in a straitjacket, hung upside down, and then dipped in water. And guess what he was able to do? He escaped. At another point, they put him inside of a box. Many witnesses wrapped chains around that box, threw the box into the river. And guess what Houdini did? He escaped. In October of 1926, death got a hold of Harry Houdini. But before he died, Houdini said these words to his wife about death. He said, if there is a way out, I will find it. He never found it. But Jesus Christ died. And Jesus Christ found the way out The first verse that we read there in in our text was, it was impossible for death to hold him. He could not stay dead. How could the one that is the giver of all life stay dead? He could not. Victory over death, victory over sin. Our message today is Jesus found a way out. And this is a message that every human being needs to hear. Deep within, everyone has a longing, a longing for purpose, to know why we are here in this world, a longing to know that there's more than just this short life that we have. Everyone has hope. But so many of them have had their hopes crushed. They've been disappointed. How are you doing with your grading so far? What's, what's Peter? Don't give him a grade yet because we're not done. What's Peter getting so far for this sermon? I don't want you to apply a grade yet to it because the best part is about to come. One more incredible aspect of this sermon of Peter, and it's found in verse 37. Look at it with me. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, 
Brothers, what shall we do? 3,000 souls came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior that day. Okay, let's go ahead and give him the grade for his sermon. Holy smokes, he's got me beat 3,000 souls in one day. He preached the Word of God. He engaged with the people and their need. He was passionate about it. And in the end, they said, what shall we do? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It can't be that simple. It is that simple. We do not bring anything in our hand to earn eternity and a life in heaven. We simply accept a gift, the gift of eternal life from Jesus Christ. And so let's point it to ourselves. What can I do with a message like this one today? Well, you can do what so many of them did on that day. Place all of your hope in the God who loved you, the God who died for you, and the God who conquered death for you. I promise you that you are going to encounter people who do not want to be by themselves when they are hoping for an answer to the big question. These people need to know about the hope that you have experienced if you know Jesus today. And if you do not know Jesus today, let today, Easter Sunday, be the day of your salvation The invitation was to them 2,000 years ago, the same as it is to you today. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. All of us have sinned, and all of that wrath for our sin, we don't have to take the punishment for ourselves in a place called hell. We can accept forgiveness based on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And if you today, If you are one who has had your greatest hope become a reality, salvation, I want to encourage you, don't keep that to yourself. You need to share this because everybody, everybody needs this message. And you are the one, if you know Christ, that's been given the opportunity to share that hope that Peter received when he saw the risen king. Would you pray with me? Oh, gracious Father, who has had a plan since from the beginning of time, we praise you for that. We thank you that it was not possible for Jesus to stay dead. We thank you that he won We praise you, Heavenly Father, for the wonderful blessing that it is to have a confidence that our hope has become a reality because of your Son, Jesus Christ. So we praise you today. Once your enemy, who now seated at your table as children. While we have our heads bowed, I want to ask the piano to play through and I want to give you a chance to pray today. I know more than one person that's had Easter Sunday, the day where they accepted Christ, 
as their Savior. Maybe today God is knocking on the door of your heart. Perhaps you, just hearing this message, maybe you've heard it before, but it's never really clicked. Maybe you've never heard this message before, that Jesus loves you and died for you, and all you have to do is ask for forgiveness and for him to make you his son or his daughter, and he will do that. You can even do that today. I'd encourage you to pray if God's calling you to do so. thank you again for being here today. I hope you have a wonderful Easter. I hope that the weeks ahead for you are as filled with hope as this very day, if you know Jesus Christ. Also, I want to give an invitation. If you prayed a prayer of salvation today, or you have more questions about that, I am here throughout the week, and I'll even be in the back of the, uh, the foyer after the service. If you'd like to talk, I'd love to spend time talking with you. But we get to spend one more time singing together together.